Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. Football. A simple game played by two teams of 11 men, one of which is soon reduced to 10, and eight of whom watch for the next 80 minutes as Lonigan boots the ball at Becchio, and then the team lose. We are Leeds. Welcome to Podcast 48. We're in here in the studio recording straight after the Derby game, and I'm joined by Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie's back. Hello. What a delightful he's, return. He's just glad to be alive, never mind the uh, <laughs> Derby result. He's on his commode. I'm always on my commode. Have you had your pills? Have you got your pills with you? What time are your next pills? Just fuck off. <laughs> You're not changed too much. Uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what's gone on at Ellen Road and elsewhere over the course of the last few games, quick mention for issue nine. That's the penultimate issue of our fanzine. We have Not it here. ever, just this season. <laughs> no, just this season, yeah. Uh, it's in front of us. It's got a beautiful picture of John Sheridan on the cover in the Burton kit from 1987, plus a fantastic centre spread from our good friend, the Beaten Generation. There's lots of pictures of yeah, Sheridan. Yeah, celebrating the, the wonder of our number eight from the 80s. Yeah, it's the uh, the free kick celebration. Duh, there was only one. For, well, no, that one against, I think it was against Derby where he did the, uh, flicked it up and volleyed it in. That was the other free kick of the 80s. But the winner of free kick of the 80s was uh, in the playoff final. And that is the last goal that Leeds has scored in a playoff final. There you go. Good, good triv, good triv. Good fact. That was this year. There isn't this year, is there? <laughs> Michael, anyway, our just, new number eight, Michael Brown, might be the Wembley hero. Well, we'll get into that. Um, in just a like he's been getting into everything that moves. We'll give a quick run- stomach height. We'll give a quick with run- his studs in the air. <laughs> we will give a quick rundown of what's in this issue of the magazine towards the back end of the podcast. Just a quick reminder, of course, that you can get it online if you haven't had a chance to get it at Ellen Road yet. Buy it at thesquareball.net and you can do that in paper or digital download format. It's worth pointing out as well, we'll tease them even more, that the online version has an article that's not in the paper version. Yes, if only to avoid a deeply inaccurate article going to press, we had to pull an article out of the print version. It wasn't deeply inaccurate. Well, it, it was, was inaccurate enough. A few inches. It was inaccurate enough to be utterly wrong. Um, <laughs> So we got rid of that from the print version. It was one of those genuine stop the presses moments, wasn't it? It's quite exciting. It's like yeah. being proper journalists. But yeah, if you get the online version of that. And of course, if you've uh, if you've got a subscription, you can see the online version. And plug, you, plug. Yeah, you yeah. get the full... the full. Pay twice picture. for our product. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on then, into white watching. And just like I said, three games and three... L- wi- oh, well, I said three wins, but it turned out to be three defeats. Sorry about that. Similar. Very <laughs> three wins for, for some people. Yeah. Yeah. 
first of these three tragic events was the home defeat to Watford at the back end of March. Well, it would have taken a lot to surpass the god-awful mess that was Forrest, but that's what Mr. Uh, Mr. Wanker said in the post-match, that it was worse than Forrest. Was it? In in a cruel twist of fate, I think maybe brought about by mocking Mr. Deitch's um, health. I <laughs> I was actually ill for this game, so I didn't go, <laughs> which sounded like a blessing from the, what I heard on the radio. I was there, I wish I wasn't. It was god-awful. We didn't turn up, we weren't bothered. I spent a lot of time in the bar. That seems to be a common theme. My mates who were there, I think a lot of them spent most of the second half in the bar because there was frankly no point being in the stand paying any more attention. Don't forget, Category A game against Leicester is only a couple of weeks away. There's something cruel as well about Iwelmu scoring who? early. Iwelmu. <laughs> That's an off pronunciation. How is it spelled? Iwelumu. Iwelumu. That's Uwe-lumu. even odder. Iwelumo. It's not a U at the end. Chris. Big Chris. Who hasn't scored for about 10 years. Yeah, who, got- who I would like to add is a Scotsman. <laughs> Can he still get in the Scottish squad ahead of Ross McCormack? Yeah, well, clearly he's a more talented forward anyway, if our defence is anything to go by. He's got his three goals in 18 games now. He's the dreams of stats like that. (laughs) (laughs) The way the first goal came about with Paul Robinson is supposed to be our hard, experienced, no-nonsense defender brought in to show these people how to defend and be hard and experienced. And he's flicking around the ball by the halfway line like a... I think, is it, is it not a case that he's a very good left-back until he has to do some left-backing? Well, no, the left-backing, if it involves piling through somebody at great speed, not a problem. And that's fine. That's, it's a part of his game. Uh, that sounded vaguely sexual, sorry. <laughs> we were talking about left... A very, very disturbing image, then. Left-backing, not unless that's a new um, euphemism that all the kids are using and hasn't, hasn't reached my part of the world yet. Yeah, so there was that, and then it just... And then the keeping us hanging on... Right to the very end to let Chris have um, have another goal. Tom Lee's as well. One of the few highlights they showed on the football league show was of Tom Lee's yet again trying to pass the ball back from near the halfway line and just kicking the ball about three yards and then just landing absolutely flat on his <laughs> face. I know what's up with him. I think maybe. Well, if it wasn't for the Reading game, which we'll come on to, I would perhaps say Alex Bruce could take Tom Lee's place just to get him out of the firing line for a bit. But then Alex Bruce, actually, we don't have to wait for the Reading game because his attempt at clearing the ball off the line in that incident, because uh, the, obviously there was no other defenders nearby, so Watford had a shot and uh, to get it off the line. Steve Bruce sort of stands... Steve Bruce? Alex Bruce. What was he doing? <laughs> Steve Bruce might have done better. Um, sort of. Are you sure you he's not doing much at the moment? Mrs. Doubtfire. He he back flicked it off the line with, but with both feet, and he ended up landing flat on his face. So he's you're looking at it our, was farcical. Yeah, you're looking it's at a standing scorpion kick. Yes, <laughs> and so there's him on the floor. Tom Lees is on the floor. Lonergan can't get near the ball because I think it was Danny Pugh was back there trying to kick it at his face, and it's all just. Has anyone got the sorted um, out his defence? The receipt for Danny Pugh. Can we send given, him back? Given his last few games, I think he's, if he's under warranty, surely he's, he's not. He's not fit. For, he's, something's gone wrong. He's broken in some way. <laughs> Sale of he, goods act. You can normally get him yeah. on. That's what you can normally he's, get. Him he's on. not performing. Not fit for purpose. He's not fit for purpose. We yeah. put him in there late at night. Just put him in the same car as Connolly. They're both sleeping off the drugs. Just <laughs> park it next to a cliff edge. Take the handbrake off and walk away. That's that's the best thing you can do for Pew and and Connolly. And then there's the Connolly red card just to to settle it all down, which um, ended up with Warnock having a massive go at him. Bates, Bates having a massive go at him. It's fair to say nobody likes him. Grayson tried to get rid of him. 
Warnock's trying to get rid of him, but we just keep having right back problems, so he keeps coming back in. It's odd that Grayson got slated for his man, his man management skills. Terrible, skills. terrible. Yeah. Cannot uh, for slagging Connolly off and he eats then babies just, as well, you know. He eats babies. Yeah. I think with yeah. Grayson with Connolly, babes. He never actually <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> Not babies. You've misread it. <laughs> He never actually mentioned Connolly by name anyway. It was actually... Some players won't play for this club again. No, they won't. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah, and then all he did, because he only dropped one, it then became, always oh, picking on Connolly, big meanie. Well, um, we, well, yeah, I was going to say, he said, didn't he, that he was going to put the kids in from now on. He might as well. Didn't materialise as we went off to Reading. On, another broken promise. On Bad Friday. But before we get to Reading, I just wonder how Sean Dyche felt about coming to Ellen Road and, and securing the three points. Anybody else? I haven't heard any of his post-match interviews. I'd be interested if you've got some audio of one now. Can you just line one up, Dan? Yeah, hang on. Let me just press some buttons, uh, twiddle some knobs. There we go. And here we have Sean Dyche. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to. I think I should retire, Sean. It's probably the best thing and the only good thing we've ever really done. Are you going to let him retire as a winner? (laughs) Once again, Sean Dyche. I can't. I know. I I I think we should retire him, personally. Should I do it? Just do it this one last time. Comments. One last time. Come on. Just one swan song appearance from Dad. <coughs> I'm really pleased for Chris. He hasn't scored a cup cat any goals in training even in months. He could settle how big Chris's surname's pronounced. Have we got that on, on tape? I think so, yeah. This could be the last clip we've got of him. Chris, I'm <laughs> And there he goes. Sean Dyche, thank you for your comments, Sean. Uh, I'll know the... how to say it when he gets a hat trick next year. <laughs> <laughs> on to, if you're not a lover of, uh, of Sean Dyche, our version of Sean I w- Dyche. I wonder who is a lover of Sean Dyche. Whoever she is, she's got to be brave. <laughs> um, on to Good Friday. It turned into a bad Friday. Whisper in my ear, Sean. Sorry, I'm still thinking about Sean Dyche making love. Um, Growling in your ear. <laughs> Another shit day at the office. Well, he was going to throw the kids in. Warnock said, season's over, might as well just play the kids from now on. So, uh, Turner Twins were in the squad. Charlie Taylor, he was uh, he had his flick knife in his pocket and he was ready to play. And only Zach the Thompson Turner actually Twins, went do they, do they share a squad number? <laughs> they probably share a wage. That's the only reason the <laughs> pair of them get past Bates. Let's distill this game down then. Did we just kick the shit out of them? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Dirty leads, dirty leads, dirty leads. Think, um, what do you think to the red card then? Thompson's red card, was that... Uh, I thought it was harsh. A bit harsh, but... Yeah. Didn't really help himself by lunging two-footed off the floor, did he? I mean, I know he, was, he wasn't quite two-footed though, mm. and one of his feet was kind of back a little bit, and it wasn't—he didn't have his studs up particularly when he got to him. A yellow would have been enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of this thing about showing your studs. Football boots have got studs on, and if you're going to try and tackle someone, you're going to—you can't go at everything with pointed toes like a ballerina if you're trying to tackle <laughs> someone. Eventually, your studs will show a little bit if you—if you move. It stands to reason if you're moving your foot outwards. Your foot will be up in the air, therefore your studs will be showing. I it's think, bollocks to say you, that's a red card because of it. I think what let Thompson down was the uh, the lunging aspect of it because you've seen it loads of times where a player loses control and then goes whoop, and they'd argue the studs are up because he's out of control. It was very not a control tackle. Yeah, and it should have been a yellow card. Well, the reason it, it was probably a red and this put me against the referee from the very start was that because all the Reading players came in and started. Oh, it's a kid, and started shoving him about like it was in a, a playground. You know, when you get a circle and you'll just get one in the middle and start just pushing into Were each you other. that child? <laughs> yes. He smells a piss. <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't have worn this jumper because um, I piss on my jumpers. Um, <laughs> he, uh, 
And then all the referee did was he just sort of stood outside it and he kept just giving three blasts on his whistle. And not only do I smell of piss, but I can't actually whistle. So something you just do... It was pathetic. He, he was yeah. blowing it and endlessly. Then, and just and basically, rather than actually People getting... People will listen soon. Yeah. And so to make them listen, he said, right, the only way I can stop them pushing this kid around is I'll send him off. And then he was like, ha, you weren't expecting me to do that, were you? I believe I've a peacemaker of the year. Kofi, sorted out another one. I have more sympathy for Thompson than I have for, um, say, Pew and or Brown. Old enough to know better. And it's, it's worth saying this was this was the third worst tackle in this game. Yeah. Pew did two that were worse. Well, the ref, yeah. it did make a rod for his own back, didn't he, by setting the tone yeah. that early. And it, and it, but he didn't then stick to it. But, he nobody, no, no. but that was the problem, wasn't it? That's what I'm saying. He, he gave the red card out probably a little bit too harshly when he perhaps should have just took him to one side, calmed it all down, said, look, you won't get away with another foul all game. You know, wind your neck in, lad. And he could have calmed down the whole game, but instead it, it just pissed everybody well, off. And then it, it couldn't then start brandishing more red cards. It so was only Pugh and Brown that were seemed to be annoyed about it. And if he had, um, I think what he probably expected to happen was if I send this guy off immediately, then nobody else is going to put any tackles like that in. Instead, Pew and Brown seem to take it as an invitation. He's like, oh, we'll get we'll get stuck right in there. Open season! Yeah, <laughs> even though this referee's clearly primed to send off Zach Thompson for an average. I just don't understand what... You've got to be clever about stuff like this. You can't just go flying through players at will. Like Pew's two that was shortly afterwards where he went... There was one... First the one, I mean, he didn't even give a free kick for it, where he, he went through Carachan and it was the sock, the infamous damaged sock challenge. But then the ball went on and he went and he got through Jason Roberts straight away. Pray for the sock. Incidentally, was making Lee Bromby look like a dick for the whole game. Jason Roberts should not be nutmegging anybody. He's but a good he, player, is Jason Roberts. Yeah, but he shouldn't be turning Lee Bromby into... Well, Lee he Bromby. He should. He's better than all of our yeah, I was going to say, the clue in there are the words Lee and Bromby. Yeah, okay. He's but better anyway. than all of our defenders. So Pew then went and flew straight through He's him. probably a better defender than all our defenders <laughs> by a distance. He just seemed... And, the, and then, obviously, the sock was mock-worthy. The, uh, when Sky announced at half-time that Reading's assistant manager had been into the referee's office to show them the sock. Thought, <laughs> this is beyond the joke. But then Brown kind of took it beyond the joke by just breaking that guy's ankle for him which but that was a good tackle nah you know he looks really like, he, he looks like a man who will soon be sent off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost like you've got some <clears throat> foresight there it is worth saying that during today's match after Brown was sent off that Kraken fella actually tweeted Robbie, Robbie Coltrane yeah. He, actually, he actually tweeted something along the lines of uh, there's been a red card at Leeds or oh, what a surprise at who it was a little bit stroppy well he had his ankle broken yeah, but that was how they landed. Not that he, Brown did win the ball. He, Brown, I, Brown too high. His tackles were not that bad in the Reading game, but it's the way the way he looks, the way he flies into stuff. Even if he gets the ball, poor he, man, he, he's like a poor man's Van Bommel, isn't he? It? Yeah, he makes it look like a foul, even when it's not. Warnock after this game was delighted with Pew. It used to be we were saying for ages in the last days of grace, and it was amazing how often we were getting red cards for the opposition. Now. All our players are getting sent off, and it's got to be Warnock's sending them out there, getting to them, get stuck in, and because they're too thick to do it without getting themselves sent off, they're getting sent off. And as our period against teams with 10 men proved, you can't keep winning with 10 men. You're going to lose those games. You will recall that I said on the last podcast that I was going to a wedding on Good Friday. Now, one of my offspring was ill, so we couldn't make it to the wedding. 
on Good Friday. So the, the side bonus was that I got to watch the match. Mm. But I think it was about two-thirds of the way through the first half. I think we'd had the red card. I saw Pew's tackle, so I went out to Sainsbury's. Just couldn't be bothered anymore. <laughs> What's the point? Season's over. Enough. Yeah, I, I wrote in here that commitment is all very well, but it needs discipline to go along with it. You can't just have them tonking around. And I'd be, I'd like to know what Warnock said to Zach Thompson when he came off, because while you can't see Warnock's face, you think, oh, he's putting a consoling arm round his shoulder. But then Thompson kind of tries to get past him and he grabs him again. He's like, no, not finished. And then Tom, uh, Warnock's big nose face appears. <laughs> and as far as my lip reading goes, I've watched this very many times, I'm sure he says something like, um, what is wrong with your fucking head? Did you watch it on slow-mo? Like- I made an animated gif. <laughs> I was just wondering if it was akin to that moment in Basic Instinct, you know, where she uncrosses her legs and the VHS... And Neil Warnock's gone. nose appears. <laughs> <laughs> the VHS course, has gone all blurry from too much use. No? You'll never guess what I've got up my skirt. Neil Warnock. <laughs> Neil Warnock's nose. Just his nose. But, let's um, move, let's move but it's the- Warnock who's sending them out, though. He can't be having a goal at players if it looked to me like he I was going to say, this dovetails Get nicely. them all wound up. It dovetails nicely into the Derby match, um, which finished only a matter of a couple of hours ago. And I prefer the version we've got on the prep sheet. <laughs> yeah, on the, this on was the written sheet, this morning. Yeah, we, we wrote this before the game. It says, no doubt a glorious 6-0 win for our brave boys. I like to just think that that happened. Should we pretend it did? Yeah, yeah. I don't think well we... done, boys. Derby <laughs> is the only noise I can think of to make for this. Worse than Watford. And as we've just said, Watford was. We're on a, a slide in descending. Weren't the Derby <laughs> fans singing, we want eight at one point? <laughs> Sorry, that's quite funny. I didn't hear that, actually, but yeah. Well, um, um, we, I mean, admittedly, we were down to 10 men, which is our own fault. I personally didn't think it looked like a red card, but if Warnock has since come out and said he's put six studs in his chest, which... Yeah. Stomach. 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 Well, oh, stomach. It's high enough. <laughs> it's high enough, whatever it is. But it's worth saying, even before that, they were all over us and could have had a couple in the first 10 minutes. We didn't show any signs of attack whatsoever. It just, they seemed to have the ball. For the entire match. Well, one thing that has become a hallmark of this era under Warnock is conceding possession really, really easily, hasn't it? Because yeah. we don't seem able to pass to one another. Mm. We can sometimes, from Lonergan to Pecchio's head, <laughs> yeah. and then it bounces its way back again. Or goes into touch sometimes. Right, yeah. 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 This is it with... A lot of people seem actually quite pleased. Moscow, like, can I just say we're sorry? About yeah. what? What I well, you because yeah. you gave me villain of the fortnight well, yeah, for doubting you, Warnock. You, you foretold this weeks ago, and we were riding the crest of... Um, of a wave of enthusiasm, and the enthusiasm has now spilled over into recklessness, yeah, and no. we've proven to be shit. I can understand the enthusiasm, because when you see Robinson getting those tackles that got everybody going, and even Brown to an extent getting stuck in, and, and the only thing that people can really take from these performances at the moment is to say they were committed, and they were really giving 100% effort, but they're committed. Do to- you think we could get Ken Bates committed? <laughs> They're committed to the wrong thing. I would like to see them committed to keeping the ball, to committed to not getting sent off, committed to scoring a bloody goal, committed to perhaps winning a match for a change. Well, it tells a story what he said in his post-match comments about maybe a lot of the lads know that they're not going to be here next season. They only know that because he's told them. And that's a problem. He keeps... Well, that's the the thing. If he's going to... Throw the, he said before, after the Watford game, may as well play the kids now. And there was, and again, there's like a wave of optimism. It's like, oh, well, Monty Gimple is going to come and rise and he'll Ramon save Nunes us all. Nunes is just small. He's not a kid. <laughs> and there was actually, there is some credit to that idea. If a lot of these players are off in the summer and they know they're off in the summer 
and we've got some kids who are the Turner twins, Charlie Taylor, Zach Thompson, suspended now. So we did at least give him a chance. But when he said he was going to bring the kids in and Pew and Bromby turn up, what possible benefit did we accrue from playing Bromby ahead of Charlie Taylor? It's time. I mean, I'm, it takes a lot for me to get to the point where I say actually put the kids in because I think it's a bit of a I think it's a bit of a myth that things will improve. But I was thinking that today when I saw Robinson sort of. I think it's his last game of his yeah. current loan period. We might we may extend it, not that there's any point. We may as well save the money. But we've got someone like him. We know what he can do. He's fair enough, he is what he is. But the season's over. Why not? We've yeah. seen we've even seen Taylor. He he played a game. He looked quite good. Taylor's looked absolutely fine, and it was Robinson who cocked up for the first goal against Watford. So if Taylor comes in and cocks up for a goal, what difference does it make? We're no worse off. Yeah. Any positives to take from these three games? No. Nope. No. Okay. And I want to slag him off a bit more today, actually. Yeah, I'm not finished either. <laughs> yeah. Well, Danny Pugh was an absolute disgrace today. Um, just his general lack of closing down, lack of showing for passes as well. There was one point in the second half where Lees was running out with the ball from defence. And you could see he was thinking, anyone available? Anyone want this? Anyone want this from me? Anyone yeah. at all? And he just kept moving forward, moving forward with it. Anybody? Anybody? Pugh's turned the other way. He's fucked off. Robinson, he's kind of up one wing. Do you he's think they're just bothered. hiding? Do you think they're hiding? They well, are completely. Yeah. No one, no yeah. one shows for an easy ball anymore. And Pugh, I said this after the Reading game. Is, um, the bad tackling was one thing. The thing with Pugh's bad tackling was it was cowardly because what he ended up actually getting booked for was um, going straight through a player when he was running out. He was running the ball out for a mm. throw in, and it was going to be a Reading throw in anyway. And Pugh just piled straight through him next to the corner flag and just put him over the sidelines and it just it, there was absolutely no benefit to anybody yellow card it was mm. pointless but when you're looking at situations like that where Leeds, Leeds needs help or there's something happening in the box he's nowhere to be seen and Reading's bloody goal Leeds got um, slagged off for the first goal for losing his marker at the back post but if you watch once it's headed across Alex Bruce is just standing on the six yard box edge of the six yard box just watching what's happening and Lafondra just walks in behind him and heads it in they were stood together he was marking him and then just watched the ball and left him to go stand on the line. And it's it's not good enough. And then bringing it back to Warnock as well, the Reading television pictures showed when we were already, uh, well, it was nil-nil when we were down to 10 men. He comes out and he's desperate to make a tactical change. He's going, he's going Lee, Lee, he's going to tell Bromby to do something. And he started making gestures, start taking long throws. He was doing this big throwings gestures. That's the best we can come up with. Is let's let's be a bit more like Stoke. Lee, Lee, he's really anxious to get this message across. And no, I think I think that was when I think Robinson went to take a throw in, and he wanted Lee Bromby to take it to get it further up the pitch, not as but, a general tactic, just that he wanted him to take it at but that it, moment. But you're right with saying Lee's uh, Tom Lee's did that a couple of times today, and even Snodgrass sort of didn't really know what to do. Leeds was coming out of defence with the ball. Three or four players just disappeared. And then once we got rid of the ball and we lost it, Stoggrass gave him a bollocking for not passing it to Stoggrass. Mm. And he was literally about two feet away. What would you do with that ball? Brainless. Yeah. Brainless. Yeah. Right, listen, we're out of time on this bit. Uh, in summary, No, then, we want to slag him off more. <laughs> in summary, then, we have four games to go. Wanaka said he wishes the season was over now. Don't we all? Wish um, I was getting paid what he's paid to wish that. Um, if that makes any today's sense. home defeat to Derby is the tenth of the season. We've now lost more games at home than we have won. This is more than our relegation season that we've lost at home. Looking at some of the other stats, scored twenty nine at home, conceded thirty eight away. We're in uh, plus figures, but overall we've got a minus four goal difference. We're lying fourteenth with fifty seven points. 
and it only takes the signature of two doctors to have somebody committed. <laughs> Time for the news roundup now, then, on the Squareball podcast. We'll deal with the accounts and financial matters uh, in part three in a few minutes. First of all, then, let's deal with transfers. We're getting around to that time of season where the window opens. Hooray. So it only seems like two minutes since the loan window closed to a little fanfare at Ellen Road. We didn't have many loans this year. Now, so Peter Lorimer said on the phone in today. On the phone in after the Derby game today, I heard Peter Lorimer, they're letting him do it at the moment because Eddie Gray has very wisely gone on holiday. He's not following the line enough. <laughs> Somebody said to uh, Peter Lorimer that it's difficult to get teams together when we've got so many loans in it. He said, oh, no, we've not had many loans this year. I said, I can't think of any. We used to have loads of loans last year. Can't think of any. Darren O'Day was on loan, but he's been here all season. Lorimer cannot think of any loans. We just watched a game with Paul Robinson playing in it, but no, we've not had anyway. Fabian Delph? Yeah, we had Fabian Delph, that yeah. Smith kid. Um, the head? Yeah, uh, Ming the Merciless. No, it's not Ming the Merciless. What's he called? <laughs> Sounds end. Um, but what, that's Dan, Dan Dare's arch enemy. The Mekon. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Dew was alone Danny, before en- we signed him. He was. Endless goalkeepers. Just a revolving door of goalkeepers in and out. Well, that's only six that I count, so that's, that's similar to one. <laughs> yeah. Andy Keogh. We didn't even mention Andy Keogh. Oh, Keogh. seven. Yeah, Keogh. Anyway. Lorimer's wrong. Oh, loan for the East stand work, but that's a different story. <laughs> boom, boom. Yes, it's, we'll a, it's not a loan. <laughs> it's a facility. It's a facility, yes. We like facilities at Ellen Rove, don't we? Right, back to the transfers at hand. Um, Warnock been talking up his first sign-in, putting a lot of pressure on Harvey and Bates to deliver. May the 1st has been pinpointing, which is basically the Tuesday. Because Well, you can sign players as soon as you play your last match is about the size of it. So the last match finishing on the 28th of this month, is it? 28th of April. So like yeah. the start of May is when we can start getting players. So it looks like Warnock wants to do his business early, even though we know the agents are all on holiday. No one has their phones on. El Nino might get in okay. the way of... The, the agent comes back, the players go yeah. on holiday. Nobody wants to pay the wages the squad, in June. The squad thing, the 25-month squad. Yeah, so yeah, yeah you need to that. see when those are named um, as well. We know he's got his eye on a player coming in early doors, believed to be Paddy Kenny, and we, we've heard from sources that that's almost likely to be certain to happen. Well, we've heard it's certainly him that he wants. We've heard a very good whisper that it will be him. Mm. Mm. But, mm, but a strong whisper. A strong whisper. But yeah. we have also heard strong sure. whispers about our long track record of not signing players that were strongly whispered to have clinched the deal for. I'll believe it when he's here. But Warnock has said today in his uh, post-match interview that he wants to build from the back, doesn't he? So um, <laughs> an ominous sign for, for Lonergan then, isn't it, really? He takes Paddy Kenny everywhere. With him. He does. Yeah, he's um, his best he's like a lost puppy. I mean, I'm not really sure it's necessary. Of all the signings that we, we really need we to need. make, a new goalkeeper, I don't think well, it's necessary. Agree. No, I, I disagree because I th- you know, I, I played in net a little bit back, uh, back in the day. Well, here we go. <laughs> Dan Jennings. You've not ever played the game. You've never played the game. <laughs> I was just going to say. Dino, Dino Moylan. It's imp- you need to talk to your defence. And I mean, stood back there myself and, you know, I'm not saying I made loads of crucial saves, but I did. Uh, one was the University Intermural <laughs> League. That's all I'm saying. Um, is that the only top co- special league? Only conceded, <laughs> only conceded eight goals all season, what and it all came from good four organization. Game, four game league, <laughs> yeah, two games. Um, you know, talking a lot to the defense and organizing them on a serious point. You need to be in charge of your defense and telling them where to go. So you can't say that we've got a bad back four and not in some way point the finger at Lonergan. I mean, we did it plenty at Casper Schmeichel last season. Yeah, but Lonergan's the only one of our defence that sort of consistently plays reasonably well. Yeah, but you can still be a good keeper and do good keeper things, but not necessarily be a good talker or organiser. I'm not sure it's going to make a 
that lot of difference. I mean, if we're changing the defenders anyway, I would rather we signed four defenders who can organise themselves than replace our perfectly acceptable. I would just, it's not my priority. I'm surprised that the first thing that Neil Warnock wants is a new goalkeeper because I think there are other things ahead of replacing the keeper on the list. There are other positions where I'd like to see people come in for longer than possibly a year. Yeah, I see. I mean, Lonergan's what, 28? Well, how how, can you do anything beyond Warnock's only going to be here for 12 months? Well, it's a separate issue. You know, that that goes back to the whole issue of going for short-term measures now to try and well, it's a last throw of the dice for the people in charge. Let's put it that way, shall we? Until they're still here in a year and they're throwing the dice again. Well, if that's what comes to pass, then I think there will be an absolute revolution and mutiny. So we will see what happens. Let's just hope for a good summer. But um, do you think he'll walk if he doesn't get Kenny? I think he should bite Bates' eyebrows off. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem, it is strange that he's, he's making such a big deal about getting this player on the 1st of May. Yeah, I, w- I wonder if he's kind of setting it up as in, you you fuck this up, Sean. You it's, fuck this up, yeah. Sean, and I am out of the door. It's Paddy Kenny. He'll come and play for me for anything. Bag of Maltesers and um, an eyebrow brush, and he'll come. And if he doesn't come, it's a clear indication that this isn't happening. Yeah, and it's not his fault. That It's, it's, a, it's a very clever way of turning things back onto the people yeah. in charge, isn't it? And it's doing it right at the very start of the window, so it's setting a pattern for the remainder of the window. Although, the, looking at past patterns, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Kenny comes in and then Bates and Harvey sort of fold their arms for the rest of the summer and say, well... That happened with Schmeichel, actually, we're, didn't it? Yeah. Spent, yeah. Mm. And Billy Painter turned up right at the start of the summer as well. See? See, we're spending big. He's buy, still is stinking the place out. <laughs> not going to buy anybody else. It does make me wonder, though, because Warnock said, didn't he, in the lead-up to taking the job at Ellen Road, that he had been reading message boards forums and the like and it makes me wonder whether he's seen that a lot of fans have pointed the finger at Bates and Harvey well he said he's he's meeting Harvey tonight he's meeting Bates this week I don't think he's going to bother with Larimer um, and nobody can find Yvonne Allen and they've got to go to a castle in Transylvania and get her out of a coffin I think and he's expecting drastic action and he, the way he talks after every single game it sounds like he'd, he'd quite happily just chuck all these players in the river and, and have his uh, Sheffield United QPR old boys first 11 in yeah we got a list of who well yes they're sending a contract offer to A.D. White which is expected to reach him this week I don't know if they're sending it carrier pigeon yeah. <laughs> just give it to him he was I'm they're, sure. they're dispatching a messenger a royal messenger a man on a black steed will be galloping to his his, uh, his dad's house and then um, players who are free agents on July the 1st Danny Webber we barely knew him Ben Parker is he still alive <laughs> Micah Vrenen, who uh, has not done himself any favours by being constantly injured. Brownie, he's got to be a shoo-in for a new contract. For sale, he'll go. Bruce can go with the... Uh, um, with our blessing. I'll drive him to Italy myself. <laughs> the only one of those I would have suggested might be worth keeping was Danny Webber, but having witnessed his shot today that went... Uh, he's he one-on-one like, with a keeper that went well wide, shall we it say. Was, it was How at least... Yards? It was probably... I'd say it was probably six or seven yards wide, but he was well inside the box... He just looked like actually quite a, an easy chance and it went so far wide. It wasn't even one of those ones that you go, ooh, everyone just sort of went, oh, for fuck's like sake. Once you're measuring a missing yards instead of feet and inches. Yeah. Yes. Even, could, painter, could your even have... painter had his, ha- <laughs> had his he- head in his hands. Could your mum have scored it? I wouldn't have thought so. What about your nan? But te- well, I, I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't be touting them for the for the bench, but <laughs> mm. they'd give us options. Experience. Yep. 
Looks like we're prioritising contract offers to the following players. Then Aidan White, as we mentioned. Snoddy, please let it happen. Sign. Please. Just please sign. Don't we love you, Robert. Ross McCormack, like to see that. Yeah. Adam Keep. Clayton. Keep. Darren O'Day. Mm. Mm. You know what I said about so we much. need uh, four defenders so we don't need Paddy Kenny. Um, I don't know. He may be all right. You'd hope for better, but no. It's possible that they think he means Paddy Kiznarbo. <laughs> There's been a misunderstanding. They're going, oh, it's fine. Oh yeah, Paddy yeah. K. Yeah, you'll have Paddy him next K. year, not a problem. Yeah. Paddy K, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a problem. <laughs> yes, just need to rebuild his knees first. As a plug for the square ball, and I always say we'll plug it at the end, but if you look at what Sven, our Norwegian correspondent's written this week about the Norwegian invasion, some lovely pictures of them. Uh, they grabbed kids Norbo in the streets. Yeah, because um, they, well, they, they tend to time their visits uh, for when there's a period where there's two home games in four days, don't they? So they tend to make something of, well... A weekend of it, shall we say. Well, they tend to get thrown out of every pub in town. By yeah, the they, they were here things. for the West Ham and Forest games. Pop, they were here pop. for the West Ham game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about 500 Scandinavians, which is an absolutely magnificent turnout. And they were in, I think there's a Scarborough Taps just near the station in Leeds. Yeah. And Paddy Kisnarbo uh, was just out for an innocent, what was it, evening walk, walk, strolling through the centre of Leeds. Around the enjoying- red light district. <laughs> Not proven. Just enjoying the ambiance, soaking up the atmosphere in the beautiful city of Leeds. Wondering why Spencer's is closed. Bit noisy there around the Scarborough Taps. What's that? Oh, we're all going to be grabbing Paddy Kisnorbo and bringing him in. I don't think they got him drunk. No, but they did get some excellent pictures with him, which we've we've printed. Uh, there's a man who looks like he has stepped genuinely out of the Viking era in one of those <laughs> photos. A fantastic beard as well. Axe just behind his back. And there's a great picture of a bloke with an eye patch. Yeah. You don't see enough eye patches. You don't, do you? No, it's a a fashion that's died out that I'd like to see come back. I suspect he's had his eye back poked out at some point. (laughs) Poor man. I'm not sure it's a fashion statement. Either way, it's it's good enough for pirates. It's good enough for me. (laughs) I wear one with with copying DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but I'm... As revealed exclusively by us, we broke this. It's not hey. often you get an exclusive, is it? Twice um, in one week, actually. Yeah, the, the academy manager, Chris Sully, has left the club. But he's brilliant, dun, dun, dun. I remember being told. <laughs> yeah. He arrived after a, a protracted search with much fanfare. Protracted search is a euphemism for a lot of fanning around, isn't it? It, it went on for months, didn't it, the recruitment process, and they finally brought him in. Uh, started work on the 1st of March 2011 AD. And uh, he has not had his contract renewed after the first year has expired. Now, no reasons given uh, by the club as yet, although they've confirmed that his contract hasn't been renewed. Detailed statement on the official site. I like a sh- that. A short statement. Yes. <laughs> a very short statement. I love the fact they even headlined it. Headlined it. A short statement about Chris Sully, and then wrote one solitary line. When the previous people left, I can't remember their names now, but Neil Thompson. Worth- Thompson, that was it. It's worth saying that they they all slagged him off. Whereas mm. this one, they've just let him let him slip out the door because he was their man. He was done an equally shit job. It sounds <laughs> like. Yeah, we picked up on this across the Easter weekend. We were we were tipped off by a tipster, so we checked with the club and they did confirm that um, that, that Sully had left. So we uh, we broke this and we broke Sully as well. It seems <laughs> so. He's gone. No news on a replacement as yet, but they Redders. But they may take. Come months. on, Redders. They may take months. They may try to save Redders. Mo- save money. We could give it to Glyn Williams, the uh, the overlord. Glyn. That's what I meant. I, I just Glyn You're thinking of Snodden. I am. Yeah. Slightly more light-hearted news. You can't have failed to have seen this. Yeah, we didn't get to break this. Everybody this had it. This was brilliant. The pictures of the squad at Flamingoland. Flamingoland, of course, the owner does put money into the club, sponsoring the academy. Not into Bradford, though. Hey. <laughs> 
Ooh, saw point, saw point. So until he steals our academy from us. So the players and management all went there, didn't they, over the uh, over the Easter break uh, as part of that tie-in, and there were some quite frankly fucking amazing pictures that were up. <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Yeah, oh, incredible. Becchio and the sea lion. You yeah. think you think one picture of Becchio with the sea lion was going to be everything of this Becchio with his eyes closed while the sea lion's about to lick him, but then. Another one appears of them both with just sticking their tongues out together. It's brilliant. The photo that flashed around the world is Warnock on that little mini bike ride just as it's about to launch off. And if you watch the Yorkshire Post and the Yorkshire Evening Post went big on this. They had a great interview with Neil Warnock on the Yorkshire Post website where he's he's standing in front of the rhino cage. And it's it's one of the most partridge-esque. It's been pissing down with rain. And uh, the questions were like, so have you... uh, have you ever met a rhino before? And Warnock, instead of being jocular, he's, he's obviously he's awed by this magnificent sound. He's like, oh, no, I, uh, Amazing man, creature. Yeah, but, oh, you've just got to have, uh, just got to have respect for, for what they are. What are they? <laughs> are they hippos or something? <laughs> <laughs> and there's a point where he's, he's just so strong. <laughs> so amazing. And then, um, but then. Better than fucking Darren O'Day. The, well, well he's. like in, in the defence. He does actually. He, he goes there. He says, well, we'll be looking to sign a few rhinos for, for next season. And uh, there was an open and, goal of a pun there for the Leeds yeah. rhinos. Well, n- no, they asked him about that as well. The, uh, um, the interviewer says, uh, have you, uh, of course, Leeds, uh, Leeds has, uh, rhinos all, uh, already, Neil. And, uh, he kind of goes, yeah, I've not had much chance to, uh, to see the Leeds rhinos yet. And then he, he went, he paused and kind of went, I've got enough troubles of my own. <laughs> But then, never a true word spoken. So that was on the Yorkshire Post. The Yorkshire Evening Post just had a slideshow of photographs from the day. But the music that they put under it was like battle scene from Star Wars. So you've got pictures of (laughs) Becchio and a sea lion, and there's Michael Brown with a ring-tailed lemur, and it's just like. (laughs) Did, did Billy, Billy Painter find the find the donkeys? I think he missed the bus. <laughs> he didn't get there. It's worth mentioning as well. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Billy. No. Ben Fry's gurning face <laughs> on the on the long flume, which was then that's not picture, a euphemism. He's <laughs> <in>. <laughs> this picture was then captioned by several people, and the one that said, "I'm not here to see the animals." <laughs> it, in fact, the only thing that's missing from that's it missing didn't need a caption. <laughs> Just look it yeah. up. It's, the only thing that's missing from Ben Fry in that picture is actually an eye patch. <laughs> and the other one, the other one I was once, Ben Fry, Ben Fry gets the bitches wet. <laughs> oh, oh. Superb stuff, absolutely brilliant. And you got greatest fans in the world, greatest fans in the world. Do you know what? Though? Ben Fry earns a living from Leeds fans. Yeah, exactly. Ben Fry's nothing to do with us. He's just there for pure mockery. Fantastic stuff. On to more serious stuff. There was a big sale of memorabilia to fund the Don Revy statue. Some really good stuff went up for sale. I wish I'd known about this. I fancy bidding on those Alan Clark uh, Alan Clark sock tags. They must be worth a pretty penny. Well, apparently it, they haven't revealed how much it all went for yet, but they, they have raised a lot of money because it's 80 grand they need for the statue of Don Revy. And it's worth it's remembering entirely funded by the fans this statue I was um, slagging this off today saying it's it's very disappointing that the club are willing to borrow five million pounds to spend on carpets crockery and um, general corporate facilities but it can't find 80 grand out in its in its black heart to, to <laughs> honor our greatest ever manager I think I'm I actually I prefer it this way I'm glad it's not it's, it's heartening that people bastards. will do it but yeah. you just sort of think why 
Why are we doing this? Why we put there's, has, surely, there's surely enough money in the club. What, what would have happened? No, no, no. What, what would have happened if the club had funded it? They'd have got some tin pot sculptor to do it who'd put it together out of balsa wood or <laughs> chalk or something. It had disintegrated in the rain outside the, the ground. Bates had gone on the attack, slating the sculptor. <laughs> Big fallout that ends up in court with an out of court settlement with the sculptor taking some money. That's what would have happened. Now Irik back is selling the shirt off his back instead. <laughs> but um there is some there is some cooperation between the the clubs. There's gonna yes, be they're happy to have it. <laughs> <laughs> well they're, yeah they're putting If someone it wants in, to um, donate me an eighty thousand pound sculpture, I will have it in my garden. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, get in touch. Unveiled podcast. um I think it's the third of May, is it? It's the, whatever the anniversary is of the uh, 1972 Cup final at 11 a.m. You can go along and see it being unveiled, or just go and 40 see it when long years ago. Wow! Right, theft, thieves, yep. cultural thefts, cultural imperialism. We've had what is it? A hundred years of American cultural dominance, and it's still now they're not satisfied just exporting themselves around the world. They're having to go and take anything of value from any other nation. It's bad enough having men with hill dominating the Yorkshire Dales, and now they're taking our songs. Worse than the remake of The Wicker Man. Very much worse than the <laughs> remake this, of this, The of Wicker course, Man. This, of course, if you're not uh, yet au fait with this, is the Minnesota Twins baseball fans and or team have thieved marching on together. Our song, written for us. Not for so, anybody else. So, it's not like just taking, rewriting When the Saints Go Marching In or You'll Never Walk Alone, which nobody really cares about. It's our song. Nobody else... Apart from these, the rhinos. song that defines us yes. as a football team. Yes. You can't just take marching on together, leads, 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 and replace leads, leads, leads with twins, 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 and think that's acceptable. It's not, and they they have they've they got quite a lot of flack once it got pointed out on the internet that this existed. Their YouTube channel they've now closed comments after I think a few people pointed out in in quite strong terms. Um, how Leeds fans felt. And they've they've fully credited now. If you watch the video on YouTube, it says at the start, credited to Les Reed, Barry Mason, inspirational Leeds fans. And they say that uh, we think, we think imitation's the highest form of flattery. Being that we're an ocean apart and an entirely different sport, we thought the tune could Your live on. <laughs> Being that we're an ocean apart and an entirely different sport, we thought the tune could live on with a new fan base. Live Get- on? Get Move on, it's not dead. It doesn't need a new fan base. It doesn't need to cross the Atlantic. It needs to stay unique to Leeds United. It's just, it's, it's our song. It's ours. If, it. you, if you're listening, Minnesota Twins, the message is just get off our song. That's all, all you need to do. It's our song. Get off it. Yeah, well, come on then. Let's give it a listen, Twins fans. So we've heard the whole thing, then what do you reckon to that? Not a fan. No? 
Not a fan of the twins. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no ups and downs. And apart from anything else, knowing about American sport, don't they get franchised often? What have you, and resold. So they've probably not been through it altogether because it might have just arrived there and or it'll probably be sold. It could anyway. be anywhere by the by the time the song finishes. There's no na 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 na. I see. No. I, I don't mind it too much. I think it's it's nice that someone's saying, "Gone, you know, that's a, that's a stuck, good song." They've stuck to well, the original tune at least, because sometimes when it's been redone a couple of times, there's like a punk version of Marching On Together, and that mm. recent one, which was a bit awful as well. Yeah, charity, Ronnie Hilton's it, granddaughter. It was not really very good. No. But they've all been, it's all been Leeds based. Nobody's actually, that's what I think you cannot do. Try to turn it into something else. You can't just transplant it from one sporting association to another sports franchise. It's, it's a Leeds United song. And no matter what anybody's done to it in the past, it's always been, you can't just, it's one thing to think, Hey, that's a cool song. And we'll, we'll do something like that. But then just to, he's off again, man. just to I take know. it and just to, just it's our song. But what are you it's, gonna do? I'm, what what are you going to do about well, it? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to respond to this act of cultural imperialist theft with one of my own. Because Minnesota, it's not shy of its own points of interest. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I-, I knew this without looking up. F. Scott Fitzgerald, one of the greatest genius writers of the 20th century, now from Leeds. That's what's, <laughs> that's what's happening, Minnesota, is if you're going to take our song, we're going to take your best writer, F. Scott Fitzgerald, author of The Great Gatsby. Um, yeah, it's all about uh, a lot of the yearning for uh, the Midwest Yorkshire. I'll be honest, I wouldn't mind Winona Ryder. Can I have Winona Ryder? No, I bag it, Winona. She's from Minnesota. She's from Leeds now. Yeah. We, uh, yes, Win- Winona Ryder Leeds of Leeds. Um, she will be, she will be yeah. when we finish. She will be when we finish with her. You got any Leeds in your love, hey? Hey? She'd go shoplifting around Harvey Nicks <laughs> anytime she wants. Convicted so we can say that. We could um, say it anyway. She'll be what do you fancy from uh, I'm, Minnesota? I'm going to take Prince. And I'm Very gonna, good I'm choice. Gonna put him, I'm not going to put him in Leeds, though. I'm going to put him somewhere he, won't, he really won't fit in. I'm going to send him out to kind of Featherston or somewhere like that. Somewhere he'll stand, stand up like a sore thumb. The, the, there's a lot of music to pick, pick from, actually. There's, um, does anybody want Bob Dylan? Yeah, I'll well, take Dylan, yeah. You can have Bob Dylan. I'm going to have uh, the replacements and Husker Do. I, like I was going to go for Husker Do as well. So. All right, you have yeah. Husker Do. I'll, I'll have the, for, I'll for have our the young, Max. For our younger listeners, who the hell is Husker Do? 
They were an 80s indie rock yeah. band, very much. As the, the, the replacements, commonly known as the Mats, were uh, an early 80s indie rock band from Leeds. This is a great one as well, MacGyver. Yeah, MacGyver, the famous... Fictional. Uh, <laughs> fictional and from Leeds. You can get out of any situation. You can't get out of Leeds until they get off our song. However, there's also uh, Tippi Hedren, Leave the Birds Behind, but Tippi Hedren, now famous actress from Leeds. Anybody else? Who else do I'm we having, want? Um, George Nelson, Leeds' first astronauts yeah it's about time we had an astronaut our space program is very highly developed Mm -hmm. Um, at least it was since we stole it from minnesota judy garland um famous minnesotan actually from leeds uh, she'd go down well in the gay scene in Leeds, down at the bottom end of town. Yep. So fibre and the such like. Judy Garland resurrected and now a loiner. Um, Jane Russell, fifty sex bomb. I knew Jane Russell would catch your eye. Your era, yeah. Oh. Your era, Roddy. Hey. <laughs> and finally, Jesse Ventura, wrestler. Oh well, as Jesse Ventura, wrestler turned actor turned politician from Leeds, he's now Leeds because of the uh, the elections for the new mayor coming up soon so Jesse Ventura is uh, a shooting for that he's not final though because we're also having uh, Jeanette Picard who um, who <laughs> to be honest just picked out of uh, Wikipedia but see <laughs> Jeanette Picard much like much of this podcast Jeanette Picard um, Minnesotan teacher balloonist priest Leeds has been lacking a teacher a balloonist and a priest and if we can just get them if we can just steal one person from but Minnesota the, it's a she the balloons yes was she making little dogs and giraffes out of balloons, or was she was she flying in a balloon? Well, what we'll do is when we're finished here, we'll go out into the streets of Leeds and we'll just ask her because she's ours now. That's true. So all these, even people, though she died in nineteen eighty one, died in nineteen eighty one. Well, it's it's not about whether they're living or dead. It's about the impact and the affection that no doubt Minnesota still has for people who they consider their own, or at least used to consider their own before we kidnapped them all. And you see, now I hope the fans of the Minnesota Twins, the people of Minnesota in general, know how it feels to have your... Cultural heritage. Your cultural heritage taken from you because somebody else thinks it's cool. And we'll make a deal. You can have all these people back. You can have F. Scott Fitzgerald. Sinclair, we haven't mentioned Sinclair Lewis. He's from Leeds now. You can have Babes in Toyland, the Andrews Sisters, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. They'll Boogie Woogie Bugle all the way back to Minnesota when you Boogie Woogie Bugle marching on together <laughs> all the way back to Leeds. I it's thought, all you have to do. Get off our song and we'll get off of your famous people. I thought you we'll were We'll get gonna, off Winona Ryder. I thought you were going to get that boogie woogie thing out in one go then and you didn't manage it. We'll get off Winona Ryder. <laughs> we'll get off Prince 21 times in a one night stand. <laughs> and you and all we ask is we have Marching On Together return to us and you just revert to singing your own Minnesota twin anthems. You can tell it's the end of the season, can't you? Because we're running out of material. Well, at least we're not just going to steal it from Minnesota. Oh, we have stolen it all from Minnesota. But it's it's they started it. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. And now normal service resumed after that. Let's talk about the football club's finances, because uh, we always wait with bated breath for around this time of year when the uh, accounts... Bated. Yes, well done. <laughs> pop in at Company's house, and there is the usual frenzy on the internet to pick apart the details and see how we've done. So, how have we done? Really well. These figures look really good. Ken told me himself. As far as the line on the official website, which showed the bullet points of the figures, we were doing really well, and the accounts were filed late. What was it? Three, yeah, yeah. Well, three point, was it 3.3 million profit on top of a, was it £900,000? Yeah, I think we made £900,000 operating profit, and then it turned into... 
3 million weird player sales and all that kind of jazz thrown on top. Looks great. The headline figure looks great, yeah. We've had a bit of a, a delve into it. We've had our behind-the-scenes accountants poking around with the numbers. Well, the first warning was on the actual official, that really short bit that they put on the official site where they said that uh, a £5 million facility was entered into after the accounting period closed. So that was like a week before the accounts came out that we were already... What's this five million pound facility? So what they've done is they've they've got five million pounds. They've sold two years of season ticket income, a proportion of, as mm. we understand it. It's um, very vague. I mean, one of the accountants we've had looking at the things has pointed out that there's quite a lot of little errors, things that don't add up. I think there's one thing you can read the accounts as saying that Yorkshire Radio lost four and a half million quid. But they've put an M instead of a K, or some, or they've put a zero yeah. in the wrong place. It's just it's, they actually lost four and a half thousand pounds. And so when it came down to the actual wording in the accounts for this, where it says uh, Leeds United Football Club Limited entered into an agreement whereby it sold season tickets for both the 2012-13 and 2013-14 season for a sum of five million pounds after the year end. But put into layman's terms, initially, first of all, let's say that yeah. means that the club's taken five million quid to put towards the East Stand work, and they have sold off the right to a proportion of the season tickets for the next two years. Yeah. To an unknown company. And we don't know how much exactly they'll be getting back, whether no. it's £5 million pounds on the nose or whether it's six, seven. To, to be worth their while, you think it's got to be at least £6 million quid's worth of season tickets income we have sold for £5 million. Because whoever it is is going to want, let's say, you know, that's, well, that's, 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 kind that's of pure, ballpark, pure speculation, it? which is not an area we want to delve into. Well, really. okay. What isn't speculation? Well, it is speculation. It would be madness and weird if we have sold less than five million of our future income for five million quid. Um, essentially, we've, we've given a, a sum of our income away. And it is worth pointing out that Peter Ridsdale, uh, the, the spectre that lurks forever in the corner, according to Mr. Bates. Uh, one of his finest actors we know was, on a much grander scale, of course, mortgaging off future season ticket sales. But this know. is spent on bricks and mortar, and that <laughs> never, ever, ever loses money. I mean, look at Chelsea when he left them. They were had pots of money in every hotel room. As, har- as <laughs> Harvey, he yeah. invested in... That gold mine that is Chelsea Village. <laughs> I think is it is it what sticks in the the craw with this that it's our money again yeah. that's being yeah. used for this. It's a very unusual way of raising money. Any reputable business, if they were building something, would get a mortgage well, the type way- arrangement where rather than selling off like when my grandma dies. You can have her stuff. It's <laughs> how this feels a little bit. It's a bit. It's a bit of an unusual arrangement to someone who we don't even know who they are. The way Harvey phrased it, he said that this was necessary to pay off the East Stand loan. So it implies that we had a regular mortgage or Wonga. loan for the East Stand works. <laughs> Wonga.com. And yet, for some reason, APR four thousand three hundred percent. For some reason, we've had to suddenly just do this to pay that off. This was to pay off the loan for the East Stand works. And so, yeah, it does raise questions about, because all along with the East Stand, Bates and Harvey has been selling us the line that you can't get loans for football players. Banks won't loan money to spend on players, but they will loan money to spend on bricks and mortar. And so we all expected the East End works being paid for in a regular way through a loan that they can get on bricks and mortar for 
a brick and mortar development. And now it turns out. Are you, that, are you saying that you think it should be secured against the, the stadium? But because you can't do that, obviously, because we well, don't own the stadium to secure it against. It's not necessarily the security, but they were always saying they won't loan you to spend on players, but they will loan you money to spend on a building. Yes, I know. But traditionally, you would then put the money, the mortgage would be against said building, wouldn't but it? But in that case, his original argument that you can borrow to, for bricks and mortar doesn't work. No, no, but well, well, I'm just trying to, ex- <laughs> trying to explain. Which is, which is the likely explanation for this. I'm trying to say for clarity's sake that under normal circumstances, you would mortgage the thing you are building in the same way that when he built Chelsea Village, he had all these assets to offset against the money that they borrowed. Hmm. In our case, we don't own Ellen Road, so we can't... If you defaulted on the payment, they had nothing to take back. Yeah, well... Well, then how come Ken Bates has been telling us for the last two, three years that this was all... You can get loans. Because he talks shit. Yeah, okay. We've been told for ages that we that Leeds United Football Club cannot get a loan to spend on players, but it can get a loan, however it's secured by whatever means, to spend on building works. Now it turns out that the building works have to be paid for out of our season ticket money. So what happened? Hey, hang on a second. We could have got footballers with our season ticket money. Yes, and it's five million quid's worth. Shit, I thought that was how it worked. And however, however much... We have actually sold of our season ticket money. There is, to make it worth the while for the lender, some of it will have to go to them and not to us. What he's actually done is he's told us initially we can't borrow money to spend on footballers and then converted money which could have been spent on footballers into money which is can only be spent on bricks and mortar. At least it's quite we, a clever it's quite a clever trick he's done there. At least we do we have been told where this money has gone. Is well, that this well Carvey has hmm. said that this was necessary to pay off the East End loan and then it was in on the uh, the headline statement on the official site that said we entered into a f- facility to part fund the East End development work. So everything they're saying about this five million quid is that is for the East Stand. And considering that getting any hint of how much thing that thing was costing out of the club over the last few years has been tortuous. They just clammed up and wouldn't say, well, we're now getting an indication it's five million quid and it's our money. Whereas, well, so well, the five million is part of it. So the seven million yeah. figure headline figure we've we've touted around and we've seen seems to be about true. I mean, it's been on Caddix, I think Caddix website. They mm. say seven million. So we could take that as the commonly accepted figure. I think um, something to highlight. It's not in these accounts, but it's something we discovered. Documents at company's house. Something else we broke. These thirty-two preference shares. Break this down into lay terms for us, then. Okay, since we left admin in two thousand and seven. Leeds United has had its share capital has been £500,000. It's been on every set of accounts, share capital, £500,000. That essentially means there are half a million £1 shares in existence in Leeds United. A nominal value of of £1. That's what every share. And suddenly it jumped in December 2011. It became £500,032. So 32 shares were issued. Each share cost £100,000. So that's £3.2 million coming in. And they are preference shares, which means that they are redeemable, sellable for a guaranteed amount. They're each worth £125,000. So they were each bought for £100,000 and they have a guaranteed worth of £125,000 each. And so the preference share obviously means they are uh, redeemable over and above the ordinary shares. Well, yeah, there's three three ways they can be redeemed is if the club is sold, if there's a change of ownership, then instantly that money is redeemable. If the club goes bust, if the club goes into administration or liquidation, then again, it's triggered that four million quid goes to the owners of the 32 preference shares before the owners of the other 500,000 shares get anything. They come after creditors, but before ordinary shareholders in the pecking order. The third way, 
that this money can pay back is if the major shareholder, which through Leeds City Holdings uh, Football Sports Fund and outro is Ken Bates. So if Ken Bates decides that he wants to give the £4 million to the owners of the preference shares in return for having them back, then that's the third trigger. So it's either sale, admin, or when Ken Bates says, whoever has paid £3.2 million, they're anonymous, undisclosed, will get £4 million. And we don't know why we needed £3.2 million from these anonymous people. We don't know why we've taken this money from them at what is effectively an interest rate of 25%. Slightly different because it won't, it's not like it increases. It's not like a loan, is it? Well, it's it's just a flat thing that sat there. It's been described to me as an alternative to a loan and it doesn't have to, it doesn't count as debt and there's no repayments. It's just you at some point, these people under these three circumstances, get their money back plus 25%. But the larger question around it is, why did we do that? Just to go back to the accounts, that's not actually in the accounts. That's something we discovered separate to that. Yeah. In the accounts, you mentioned Outro there, which is Ken Bates' vehicle at the very top of the tree that mm-hmm. owns uh, the majority of Leeds United. Now, they put in and have taken out, haven't they, uh, nearly a million pounds yeah. to improve the cash position of the club. Now, we're not accounting experts, as you can probably tell. <laughs> We're um, doing our best. Some of the accounts that have poured over these numbers for us have said that in real terms, that the issues that there might be with these accounts are to do with cash flow. Is there enough money coming into the business to meet the business's liabilities? And people have suggested that the cash position of the club has dropped by around £4 million since the last accounts. Is that correct? Yes. We burned through a lot of money, but not really on anything useful. A lot of money went on the East End. We also loaned money to other company businesses so there's there's a lot Yorkshire of money radio pavilion so on yeah and leeds united media who are new there's a lot of money just sort of floating around within the group that is owed to leeds united football club and not explained either particularly and, like the, the 2.7 million to the pavilion company that's set it, up costs but it's a lot of setup. it's a lot of money and that's because that is a separate entity yeah. to leeds united if someone bought leeds united that would have to be negotiated separately presumably to Unless, of course, they bought the very top parent company, in which case you get the lot. Yeah, but it's it's the way it's all put off into these separate boxes. Money seems to flow in one direction from these... And as a result of it being put into those separate boxes, so because, for example, where's figure gone, 2.7 million went to the pavilion, at some point, Outro had to loan Leeds United Football Club nearly a million to keep us in cash. Yeah, that's what I was saying about Ken Bates putting in a million and taking it back out again. But the reason that became necessary is because money's gone to the pavilion, which out of the football club. So it's it's hard to understand why we're moving all this money around. In terms of the money that has flowed out of the football club, it would appear now from these accounts and the ones that have preceded it, that a total of £4.3 million has gone out of the football club and into the ancillary businesses such as Yorkshire Radio, the pavilion, the media company. Isn't this meant to be the other way around? Aren't these things meant to be ultimately funding our football team? Generate money. Whereas so far... Income streams. It seems very much that the football club is funding all of these other things. Pavilion made a loss. Yeah, there's a profitable football club at the heart of it, which then funds some mediocre side businesses. That's about the size of it, and it's hard to square that with our position on wages, where we were about 30... 35%. Scratching Shed did this better than we did. They did a great chart of all the um, all the football clubs' turnover to wages ratios, and we we spent like half in the amount that anybody else did in terms of percentage. It's like Norwich were one of the cheaper ones at sixty percent of turnover, and then there's a massive gap down to us at thirty five percent of turnover, which is obviously it's very prudent in light of UEFA's regulations, but it doesn't turn out that prudent when you think 
So 30% of our turnover has gone on wages, but then another huge whack percentage of our turnover has gone to the pavilion or to the East Stand or just floating around between Leeds United Media and Yorkshire Radio and it starts to look a lot less sensible when we could just cut off the pavilion, never mind having a pavilion and having to loan it 2.7 million, put that money into Collins Cauldron. Collins Cauldron, (laughs) yes. That's the new uh, version of, say, Simon's Pot 2.0, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, can't take credit for that. I can't remember who came up with Collins Cauldron, but I like it a lot. Someone so, in our forum. Yeah, it could all, it could all, it could, if we concentrated on the core business, there's a lot of money not going on our core football business, and it's hard to see what benefit we're getting from it. It is hard to marry that up. I mean, I know we've done this subject to death, but very prudent on the surface, but a really good analogy that I saw was from Rick Doniek, who's uh, former chairman of Legion United Supporters Trust, much maligned as well, but he made a really, really good analogy, which I liked. And it was along the lines of, what's the point of having a ship if you're just going to leave it in the harbour? You know, a ship isn't built to stay in the harbour. It needs to go and sail and do things. And the primary purpose of a football club is to be as best as it can in its field. It's not to make profit. All right, you want a profitable football club, but that's not the raison d'etre for a football club. It's to be a good football club. And we're not really doing either. A lot of the things that people are saying to us that they're reading in the accounts is that cash flow seems to be a problem. We seem to be coming out with a profit, but the club isn't necessarily operating quite as... Uh, Liquidly. Yeah, with quite as much liquidity as you'd like. But is that because is that we're spending money on shit? Right? It's like we're run by two separate people. There's one person constantly scrimping and then there's someone else spending money. It's like Bates has got two sides to him where he, he, on one side he's desperate to make a profit and we'll claw back on this and we'll put the price up here a little bit so we've got a bit more money. And then he wakes up another day and just thinks, yeah, let's just, let's just spunk it all on pavilions and cladding. It all looks shit as well. That's the really soul-destroying thing. It all looks crap. doesn't even have a Leeds badge on it. And uh, those little um, hedges out the front, those little pot plants around the entrance, it's not great. Plus it's all done through a web of... Loads of different companies that are offshoots of one, yeah. owned by someone else. They're all owned offshore. This is it. Once yeah. upon a time, we could have just got the Leeds United accounts. We could look at the profit and loss and say, yep, everything's doing fine. Peter's doing a great job. Now we get like seven PDFs that we all have to crawl. Well, actually, no, we email them to accountants and say, please tell us what this means. I think it's this transparency. Year, yeah. There's nothing there to... But does that not that boil back down to, to the lack of trust? Because it could be that these accounts are all absolutely fine, the business is in great shape, but quite frankly, people just don't trust the people behind it and, if, and never will. Is that, fair? Head, I think is that fair? If the sale of the season ticket revenue, the, the season ticket loan for the East End hadn't been such a surprise, if we'd known that was coming, if there was any reasonable explanation for why we've had this 3.2 million share issue, why that's just suddenly turned up, if it could be explained why we ran out of money in the year and Bates stroke outro had to loan us some and take it back again, that'll be out. But all we ever get is once a year is we get these accounts. Snapshot, if you like. New things happen and and it's basically you hold it up and just go, huh? And that's why um, Leeds United Supporters Trust have asked, I don't know, I can't remember this, ooh, a million questions. That's about 10 questions that they've asked in light of these accounts because you look at them and there are 10 questions emerge. It's not like you can just look at the, the bottom line and say, yes, we're doing fine or no, we're doing terribly. You go through and point by point, people are making notes in the margin and just going, what's this? What's this? What's that? 
what's this? And so they've fronted up and they've asked the proper questions about what's going on, what is X, what is Y. How much have we given up? Yeah, and well, that's the important thing, is how much of the season ticket revenue we've sold. Why is it also, somebody else raised, well, why is it also over two years? If it's only 5 million and we get like 7 million, 8 million income per year, why not sell part of one year's? It's very strange that we're, we're putting this mortgage in the well, future. I guess, I guess in that respect, though, you don't want to damage the cash position of the club unnecessarily. If you can do it over two years, why not? Yeah. The cash flow issue also might go some way to explaining the extremely early season ticket renewals that um, that were put forward, because I think we were all struck by just how ridiculously early it came. I mean, the letters landed in January. Plus, this news came out just a matter of days after the final deadline for season yeah. tickets as well. That's it. It, it, it looks like... When you look at the fact that we we have the early renewals and then we've got a club that's having to take out what are effectively loans, it has no external debt, as Ken Bates constantly likes to remind us, but is effectively having to get money from places to pay for things that it can't pay for itself through normal means. It does make you wonder. They're not loans, though. They're but not the, loans. I've just got ourselves really in knots to call them not loans. But that's the thing I think that, that's annoying, isn't it? Because we're constantly told what a well-run business it is, yet they're having to borrow these things and, and put us into debt in order to fund the shit that they want to do. Yeah, and we're constantly told as well that we're not going to spend a load of money Ridsdale style and get ourselves into that And spend again. money we don't have. And yeah, that's yeah, that's the crucially important thing is we're not going to spend money we don't have on footballers because that will end up in ruin. But we're going to spend money we don't have on the East Stand and money we don't have on whatever the preference shares were for and money we don't have to the pavilion and then and on Yorkshire, it's million. worth mentioning Yorkshire Radio again as well because they still have no employees. They so even c- though they only make a small loss. Their council haven't turned up either. They're still missing in all, all of this. There's this disparity between what we're told and then what the accounts show. It's easier if people just look on um, LUFCTrust.org because the questions they've got up there sum up the issues raised by the accounts quite neatly. And then you can read them get an idea of what the concerns are. Not, you know, there may be very valid explanations for all this, but they are good questions to ask. And then you can sit back and you can wait in vain to hear anything from the club, even approximates an answer. On to the final part of the podcast, and we'll do the bit now that we spoke only moments ago about doing away with for next season because it's absolutely pointless and we hate it. This is the preview section. Yeah, enjoy listening. Uh, because we've got nothing constructive to say. I mean, last I've time... I've got things constructive to say. Last time I predicted three wins purely because I don't care anymore and I'm fed up of this season. So I'm just going to predict... If we got three wins, we'd be on, on the edge of the playoffs. Yes, yeah. this, this is true. We're still that close to the playoffs. It doesn't matter that we've got no chance of making them. We've been that close to the playoffs. Therefore, this season is still very exciting. Anywho. We're um, in the hunt. Four games left. First one is Peterborough on Saturday. Yay for Peterborough. Aren't you glad we're playing them? Another bumper crowd expected at Ellen Road, no doubt. I think nobody's going to go By with this. By bumper, do you mean under 20,000? Yeah. I think today that they announced season ticket holders who weren't actually there as well because it looked very small to the attendance. And by about 70 minutes, I don't reckon there was any more than about 15,000 there. And by 80 minutes, probably about 10. <laughs> Yeah, I think well, was, I say we laugh, but it's actually really upsetting. Yeah. Well, I it? left on eighty minutes, which is why I got here in about five minutes. So there was a positive <laughs> out of today. Mm-hmm. I left about eight on about eighty-five. <laughs> so uh, we won three-two against Peterborough down there. An exciting. I match. was talking about this game earlier today. It feels like a different season. Yeah, yeah. I went there full of optimism. I left there at full of optimism. I know Day Goal will do that for you. 
That's, it was one of our famous we, late winners as we, well. Yeah, we pissed off the Ferguson, didn't we? Oh, yeah. still beautiful. Well, that, wobbling lip. If there's one thing we can do in the rest of the season, let's just annoy him again. He'll get his own back, though, won't he? he well, look, with two home games, we'll get to the Leicester game in a bit, but with two home games left, can Colin Wanker actually win a home game before the end of the season? Do you think we're going to win this? I'd prefer it in this. If we, I'd accept a draw. As long as we injure all their best players and really upset Ferguson. <laughs> if we could put all their best players out for most of next season, that'd be a price worth. Well, we I mean, haven't got... Brown, Brown's going to be suspended. One who yeah. said himself, most of those players aren't going to be here next year. Not our problem. They'll get three games suspension. <laughs> They'll be done. That'll be the last thing to do for us. If the last thing Mikel Forsell ever does for us <laughs> is to snap one of the Peterborough players into, into four or five pieces, leaving <laughs> Fergie's lip a quiver... It's not going to be a score of goal, is it? So he might as well do no, that. Exactly. No, exactly. Are we going to win? No. 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 Right. Uh, Blackpool away. No. no. Oh, 5 0. <laughs> Fucking hell. It had to be a Tuesday night again as well, didn't it? It's not. It could, well, you just... think they'd let us loose in Blackpool on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? Yeah. Do but you think? The sympathy vote. I mean, after what happened, to, I mean, last time we played a Tuesday night, Forest. Last time we played these on a Tuesday night. Robka. This is interesting because it's in Blackpool and that's the only thing, isn't it? So why don't we talk about the illuminations in the tower, maybe the ballroom. They've got a nice Wurlitzer organ um, in the ballroom, haven't they? Yeah, this is all um, This is all the crazy talk of somebody that's never been to Scarborough. Because I don't see what possible interest you'd have in Blackpool if you'd been to Scarborough. Scarborough doesn't have any illuminations. So what? It's got lights? Poor man's yeah. Morecambe. Poor think- man's Morecambe. I think the illuminations were more of a thing when people didn't... When electricity was a bit newer. (laughs) When people didn't have kind of iPads and just general technology around the house. No one's going to look at a lit up... I want to say Santa, but it's not Christmas, is it? It's just other shit. (laughs) Buses and lorries and Yeah. No one's going to look at that. I don't know how they've done that. (laughs) If you drive past um, Milgarth Police Station in Leeds, they still have... Yeah, they still have it They still have the Christmas light on the the side, but they've switched off the parts that mention Christmas. So instead of saying Happy Christmas (laughs) from West Yorkshire Police, it now just says... West Yorkshire Police <laughs> in twinkling fairy lights. So just go and look at that, and then don't go and see us lose to Blackpool. Kevin Phillips, sixteen goals, schooled by a pen. Point something out. Stephen Craney's got seven assists. That's our Stephen Craney. Were they all against us? It feels actually, like Robka got three of those assists. Yeah. Well, we'll have just got through son of Bacon Face, and we got son of the Governor in this one. Tomins. Six goals, five assists. I don't like the. Uh, I don't like the yeah, way. You could this quite is easily get that. Six goals and five assists. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> double his money. Well, we don't have the Rohubka factor. Um, well, I was going to say if, if the Peterborough game turns into all-out warfare and Lonergan gets himself another broken finger, they're not going to get put Cairns in goal, are they? Recall Rohubka. It's going to happen. I tell you, it's written in. It's written in the illumination. I'm sure you could form a sitcom out of that. Recall Rohubka, well, starring. Oh no, he's dropped it. <laughs> and then leave him there. Just leave him in Blackpool. Hi, honey, what's in that box? Well, it's an antique Ming vase, Paul, <laughs> etc. It writes it's itself. A bit, it's a bit one-dimensional, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, he can drop it in many different ways. Oh, no, the uh, the pins come out of this grenade. Paul, catch! <laughs> Are we going to win this? No, we're going to no, lose no, badly. No, Kevin no. Phillips hat-trick, Taylor Fletcher. Well, Stephen Craney will set them all up, all and right. then he'll score a penalty to make it uh, 6-0. Uh, another team we never beat, Saturday the 21st of April, Today's word of the podcast is penultimate. I'm going to use it again. <laughs> the penultimate game of the season against Cardiff away. We're well overdue a win. We're going to win gen- this f- in general, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, against Cardiff. This will be sense. Uh, in every sense. Are we, gonna, are we going to do this one? Last win was Millwall, wasn't it? We've lost about twenty games on the trot. Nottingham Millwall. Forest. Have you got Nottingham Forest? Millwall was a, a blip in the win. <laughs> um, so we'll have we'll have lost against Peterborough and Blackpool. So add that to. 
the three that we lost that we talked about earlier. So yeah, I can see this being our 60 feet so, on the well, run. So we were looking at the Warnock stats um, a minute ago, weren't we? And in the opening bit of this month's magazine, I mentioned that had we had Warnock's 1.25 points per game average, we'd be 17th. We've mm. redone it after the Reading and Derby games and we'd actually be 23rd, a level on points with minus 10 Portsmouth. Because yes. is that what is he averaging? 0.8 game. 0.8 points, points a game. Points yes. per game. Under one point per game. It's a whole new era. It's relegation form. Grayson couldn't have got that out of these even, players. I think yeah. even Redders was better than that. <laughs> we want Redders back. Bring Redders back. He was cheap. He didn't come out saying we needed to change the whole team. He loved those boys. <laughs> and those boys loved him. So Cardiff. It's going to be dull, I know that. They've got crazy things like people that are quite good, score goals. No, they've only got one player. Ken- Kenny Miller's overrated. Liam Lawrence, actually, was, um, when I was looking at the stats for this, Liam Lawrence, eight games he's played for them, nine assists. What's going on there? I mean, I know what's going on there. It's, he's playing really well. Yeah, he's a good footballer. That's, that's about what's going <laughs> so on So who's going to be marking him? Oh, Anybody? Who's left? Danny Pugh? <laughs> yeah, well, stick Danny Pugh on him. Danny Pugh will try and break him, get sent uh, off. Um, In fact, what we're not doing is uh, Peterborough, Who's going to get sent off? That's what we should oh, be asking. Of course, we said we were going to do that, didn't we? Yeah, red cards. Yeah. Peter Brood, we reckon. I think um, O'Day will, he'll be back in. O'Day's you won. Actually, I'm going to go Robinson for George, Fowler and George Boyd. Yeah, okay. well, if, if we if we continue his loan. That if is, we yeah, do, oh, yeah, he yeah, might yeah. have gone. Or would it be he his can replacement? He still probably do it. <laughs> Just charge <laughs> it. I think, but are we certain it's going to be a foul on George Boyd, whoever does it? He seems the most likely. He's got kind of skinny looking legs. Right, okay. So somebody for a foul on George Boyd, either Robinson or O'Day. Right, Blackpool, who's going to get sent off? I think Lonergan. Yeah, we're overdue a keeper sending off, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Lonergan off. Yeah, because we'll, we'll think, oh, Jeepers Keepers, we don't have a hooker. <laughs> yeah. Can't be as bad as last time. It'll be Phillips. And, and Phillips rounds the keeper. Yeah, yeah, brings him down. Yeah, and no keeper on the bench. That's a favourite tactic of ours. Yeah. We'll have Bromby. Bromby. So by a quirk of fate... Bromby we'll will love... be injured, so he won't be on the bench. Well, no, the, the quirk of fate will be that Rohubka would have been there. Yeah, to save us. Obviously, we don't have a keeper on the bench, so we've been saved from Rohubka, but we're subjected to Billy Painter diving I think, around. I think he said things Paul Connolly is his third choice Isn't keeper. So he'll get back in the team again, having been <laughs> dropped. We're trying to get rid of him. He keeps coming back. So that's Lonergan off for a foul on Kevin Phillips against Blackpool. Who's going to get sent off against Cardiff? That's a, straight... that's a midfielder. That's well, a midfield battle, I think. It's going to be somebody Brown, on... Will Brown be back by then? No, Clayton will completely lose his shit at some point because he'll get fed up. He was a rumoured... Was it the Watford game where somebody said that as a ball... Was, yes, it was. The ball was passed out of play and he was heard going towards the West Stand to get the ball for a throw and going, for fuck's sake, this is fucking shit. So I think Clayton will get sent off for fighting with... Gradle doesn't play for us anymore. Which one of our players is Clayton going to punch? Of his own men? Yeah. Somebody that's going to pass it to him. Danny Pugh. Danny Pugh, yeah. Danny Pugh. Definitely Danny Pugh. Clayton yeah. punches Pugh and Clayton gets sent off and Pugh, Pugh I guess, has to broken keep playing. Broken nose, broken nose. Broken nose. Oh, why don't we? He, just send 10 players out anyway and just say this is because we'll be down to nine I saw a brilliant tweet by the way on yeah. that on that sort of note that uh, somebody today said can't we just forfeit the rest of our games and save the yeah. fans some money yeah <laughs> it'd be well, a decent thing to do give us give something back to the fans yeah. and then the Leicester game traditionally last day of the season is Gradle's day to get sent off who uh, oh there's going to be gonna bloody f- hell on this game because you're going to have Beckford who's going to be bearing down on the cop mm. too fast for everyone this will back be old day's turn actually yeah or Lee's. Tom Lee's has never... Yeah, he's ended up on his ass quite a bit. I think it's going to be yeah. Lee's sending off. Lee's sending off, foul on Beckford. And then Beckford, I think, I think what will happen, Tom Lee's will foul Beckford. Beckford will try to keep going because he won't be brought down. Cause he's he'll not, stumble. He'll, he'll, he'll stumble. stumble. Yeah. He'll keep going thinking, no, I don't want Lee's to get sent off. And then he'll deliberately miss at the cop end because he's all heart. And then because he hasn't scored, the referee 
having played advantage and seen no advantage crew, pull it back. Even for, though he carried on running for 100 yards. Yeah, yeah he'll yeah. pull it back and he'll give a penalty, which uh, one of his uh, horrible teammates, um, who's the guy who's played for Portsmouth, got the England cap. And now Nugent. Put, yeah. Nugent. Nugent will score the penalty. And Beckford will just stand at the side weeping. Hell of a prediction. Lee's sending off, foul on Beckford, all the other stuff I just said. We'll make a note, we'll come back, we'll check. This is what's happening. If that happens, I'll give you the money myself. Beckford coming back. And Casper. Inevitably going to score. Casper inevitably going to have game of his blooming life. Casper captained them the other day. I don't know if it was the same way that Robbie Rogers captained us um, against (laughs) Reading. (laughs) Somebody's reckoned that Robbie Rogers hasn't touched the ball yet. I'm sure he hasn't touched it. He touched it once. That's that's a brilliant idea. (laughs) You see... (laughs) He's the only Leeds been running captain around a bit. never to have actually He's had more concussions than touches. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's quite possible we could lose all these games and we'll be going into next season with people saying Leeds haven't won in five and a half months or whatever, whatever it'll actually the, be. Um, the lowest we can now finish is about 20th. Because yes. be, <laughs> I, I did uh, send a tweet out, must have been quite a few weeks back now, saying something along the lines of, well, at least Leeds are now safe from relegation. Well, I think when we hit about 50 points and... We've not done much no. better since, and it was sent out in jest, but actually uh, could prove quite prophetic. I think the um, our constantly beaten record could start to resemble Huddersfield's unbeaten record. <laughs> that kind of millstone round our necks. In that case, even the Millwall game can be a defeat. Yeah, exactly. So I, four games, how many points? None. None? I, I, I honestly think none. Unless it's disciplinary points, in which Anything case... Anything would be a bonus. A f- oh, Bates would love a, a fine for failing to control our players, wouldn't he? Warnock comes in and starts costing him money in violence fines. Right, let's move on to Ken then. All this chatter of Ken and do the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award an award that goes to somebody every fortnight who has contributed to our perpetual, it's not even an ongoing misery, it's a perpetual misery now, uh, that goes on forever until the end of time, but in the last fortnight. So who do we like to nominate this time? Ken, what's he in for? The accounts. The accounts being ridiculous looking. Yeah, just general. A web. If we're not making it easy enough enough for fools like us to understand. Yeah, that's fine. Ken, who else do you want to put in there? Sean Harvey. What for this time? Sean Harvey, for what he said to, in response to Leeds United Trust being banned, he told the Football Sports Federation that players play, managers manage, and supporters support. The implication being that we should all just shut up. We'll have to, uh, this podcast will have to just, uh, a moment of silence. And he's an administrator, and he administrates He's a post team. <laughs> I've seen him deliver a letter. Do you know what? I did some back-of-the-fag packet calculations on the way over here, and he gets, what, £176,000 a year, doesn't he, his salary, Sean Harvey? Yes. That means that if we roughly. get, what, 23,000 people through every home game, uh, 23 games, that's a ballpark, half a million people, isn't it, roughly that? As a calculator here. Work this out. Okay, what yeah, am you've I doing? You've been writing Shell Island boobs on it, though. <laughs> Boobless, I'll have you know. So, 23,000. Yeah. Times 23. 23. Equals? Uh, 529,000. Right. Uh, so, Sean Harvey earns 176,000. So, divide that up. Divide what up? Divide by 176,000. 176,000 is three. So, three. Right. So, Sean Harvey's salary goes into that number three times, which means that approximately... <laughs> 30 pence out of every single ticket that gets sold for Ellen Road goes into Sean Harvey's salary. There you I go. Played on Countdown, does it much better? <laughs> <laughs> and Carol Vorderman's not as pretty as I am. Um, no, the other one. Or whoever the they were. Rachel Riley. Man United She's fan. She's a scummer, though, yeah. Yeah. She is as pretty as me, but you I'm not a scum fan. So, yeah, so 30 so pence. So you rate out. yourself higher than Vorderman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the ranking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I've given it a lot of thought, but, but clearly I've given it some. 
So there you go. We've got Ken Bates and Sean Harvey nominated. Who else? Uh, we may as well get Colin Wanker in there yep. just because of everything, having to 0. watch 8 his 8 team. Points a game. Yeah, yeah, you can't argue. 0.8. If you listen to the last hour, 0.8 <laughs> passes connected per game. Not that we've turned against him yet. We're just saying. Ah, he's been he, fucking rubbish, Dad. Out. <laughs> out. <laughs> no, you, but he has, in. he has to live and die by his record, doesn't he? So He's not, dying on his ass. 0.8 points per game. Yeah. At uh, the end of these, it's going to be about... 0.3 points per game by the end of the season. <laughs> Don't make me do more maths. Hold on. Then. Hang on. No, 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 come on, Rachel. <laughs> Who else then? Any other nominees? Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins for robbing our song. I'm, I'm happy now. I've got Prince. You'll have to I've give him that. Rider. We're sharing Minona Rider. That We're could not. Get, that could get messy. Prince is a woman, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. She'll right. be whatever you want to, want her to be. <laughs> Don't mention a squiggle, though. <laughs> Any other further nominations? I think that's about it, isn't it? Yeah. The, uh, I don't know yeah. well, let's wrap it up then with the, that the football oh. the football league for changing rules so we can't kick people indiscriminately yeah exactly modern, modern football old for, referees modern football and pl- referees uh, p- platinum blatter put it under their names for making on that ref from Michael today Brain. he was absolutely garbage he was awful we got the ref we deserved <laughs> right okay works. listen we're running out of time so let's wrap up this bit Ken Bates Sean Harvey uh, Neil Warnock the Minnesota Twins and modern football slash referees who's having it all of them I've made my feelings about the Minnesota Twins clear, but left them and out. They know what they have to do to resolve that situation, so perhaps they should not get it. I'm saying Harvey. Harvey. He's had he it though, hasn't he? He's already had it. Yeah. Well, he give it again. him again. 173 grand or whatever he earns. Something like 176. 176. 30 pence a ticket. What's three grand to a man like him? Lorimer's 90 miles an hour. Sean Harvey's 30 pence a ticket. So there. <laughs> so we can have this award. He- do you want that, yeah? Yeah, give, yeah, it, give Harvey. it to him. I get a feeling this feature might not last into next season either. Sean Harvey, well done. There is I no hope Sean award. Harvey doesn't last till next season. <laughs> There's no award. As um, chief executive of Leeds United, I hope he lives a happy and fulfilling life with his wife and children. There's no award, Sean. It's not on its way to you. Let's move on to the final bit. Thank you for some chocolates, which we've devoured. Yes, again, the lovely Sarah Morris... Oh, um, these were the ones we mentioned last time. Yes. Which, that you didn't bring. Which I didn't bring because I was poorly. Rest assured that I'd not eaten them and I was sick because I'd eaten them all. Yeah. I have brought them in. And we've also got a lovely cake from Daz Aveyard. Is this list over from his 60th that, yeah. birthday celebrations? That's yes. That, yeah. that he sent to us. It was very yeah. nice. Very good luck nice. with yes, the, good. the retirement, Daz. It claimed, yeah. it, it, claimed it served six. Pa! <laughs> <laughs> That's about it, I think, isn't it? Apart from we have to say... Buy the magazine. We stuck issue nine of ten out on sale today for the Derby match. Thank um, you to everyone who bought one. Yes, big thank you to you if you if you dug deep. It is a fine issue. Gave you one fifty. Yes, yeah. there's lots of stuff in there about 1986-87, a fine season where we uh, lost in a playoff final and a cup semi final. Yeah, we've got um, Andy P on uh, turning the cheek to Millwall, which yep. is excellent advice. Amatai Winehouse has written a, a very good uh, little miniature play about uh, it's Sue from uh, Howard's Restaurant. It's hard to describe, but definitely very much worth reading. And we've got the second part of John Howe's retelling of the Ridsdale years. Oh, and I wrote something about us losing uh, 7-0 and 7-2 and 6-3 and all that kind of stuff, so which has got... The in- number when you flick through... It still it catches the eye when you see the match report actually from for the forest game. For the forest game, you you look twice at the headline. You think seven three. Yeah. If you flick through backwards from there, there's forest. a picture of Sven. Then there's two nil, nil one, 
Three seven. Other one, article one. that I do like in there is from Adam Jubb, which is the rise of the metrosexual, which yeah. is a, a fine article. Yes, very on a fine picture. Man of, bags, uh, um, pastel shades, all that sort of thing. Who's that picture of again? It's, it's Oliver, Oliver Kahn, Kahn wearing yeah. a pink t-shirt and carrying a, pink, a man bag. A pink Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirt. Yeah, if you have, if you you need to um, look on Twitter and see if you can find um, Adam Clayton's Christmas present, complete set of Louis Vuitton luggage. Classy, Pots. classy. Right, if you want to buy that magazine, you can get that at Ellen Road. It'll be on sale against Peterborough. We'll get the 10th and final issue out for the bumper crowd that's going to be there for the Category <laughs> A match. Give those lads a good send-off. Yep. Yeah. Against Leicester for the final game the lap of the season. Of honor. Uh, we'll be back after the Leicester game for our um, end-of-season roundup. And uh, that just about concludes everything, I think, doesn't it, for this podcast. I personally can't wait for the end of season roundup because there's not been enough happiness in my life. It'll be absolutely furious out of all this, <laughs> this final one. <laughs> so yeah, issue nine out now on sale. You can get that at squareball.net and at Ellen Road. Issue 10 out for the final game of the season. And we are done. So farewell from me. Bye from Michael. Goodbye. Moscow White. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll be back after the end of the season. Well, it's going to be the end of the season because... Season's ended. It's already finished. I'm not quite sure we're going to make those playoffs, but you never know. Keep on dreaming. Believe. Do it Redders. <laughs> we'll speak to you again after the Leicester match. Until then, have a great time down at Ellen Road and on your travels. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Three, two, one, record. Are we? Are you ready for to capture the magic? <clears throat> ready for this. Yeah, I guess. Here I go. All right, here we go. So here we go. Here we go. We're doing it. No, you're you're doing it with mom. Twins anthem take one. I'm scared. You smiled on.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.